This week on the podcast, I am Jack's total lack of a spoiler warning. Welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast with your hosts, Eric Reed, Brian Kruger, and Chris Ryerson. Three idiots who decided to slap an adverb together with an adjective to bring you one magnificently huge discussion each week about the movies and pop culture we kind of like, maybe even secretly love, before we ultimately crab all over them. We're not here to save the world, we're just here to make it weirder, one podcast at a time. This is Magnificently Huge. Hey you, you're a special snowflake. Everyone else is just decaying organic matter, but not you. You understand that what you own is what you are. And it's only after you've accumulated everything you desire that you're truly free to do anything. Your lifestyle of obsession will make you complete. Be perfect. When you have everything, there is no pain, no sacrifice. And sticking feathers up your butt does make you a chicken. <laughs> okay, no. Hey, everybody, it's Brian. Welcome to the show. This week, my friends Chris and Eric are going to join me, and we're going to break all the rules, and we are going to talk about Fight Club. If you like the show, subscribe to the podcast, share it on your social media feeds with your friends, go to our website, maghuge.com, M-A-G-H-U-G-E.com, and find all the ways to contact us and all the old episodes, and yeah, um, check the show notes if you want to find what topics we're talking about when, and let's, uh, let's rock it. Hello. Hello. Good morning. Hey, everybody. <laughs> oh, it's the Magnificent oh, shit, Huge energy. Podcast. <laughs> energy. I am Come Edward on. the Eighth. I'm... I am Edward the Eighth. I am. I am. <laughs> no, you are not. Oh, you are not Edward the Eighth. Sorry. You, you are Chris. I'm Chris. <laughs> That's my introduction. Who are you? <laughs> okay. I'm Brian. Okay. I'm Eric. Hi there, Eric. Uh, so, why did... Why are you making us break the first and second rule of Fight Club today, Eric? Because, uh, it, uh, uh, I don't know. Okay, don't know. that's I, fair I, enough. Because I, 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 I like it, because oh. I like it, and I've, I've like read so many funny, interesting theories about this film. Okay. It's got a whole Room 237 behind it, and I, I thought that really? would be for an interesting showsy. Okay, yeah. mm. looking forward to it. Well, we'll get into that. Looking check check the it. show notes for the time when when uh, that conversation starts, but you'll notice if you check the show notes that there's a whole bunch of other stuff we're going to talk about in a segment fresh we call it. the I said Fresh it first. <laughs> I said it first. <laughs> 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 this shit is fresh. Eric wins. Okay, okay. let's go home. Uh, yeah. yeah. All right. Oh, uh, man. I got some fresh shit. Okay. Go. Do it. So, first of all, the last few episodes of the podcast went off, like, on pre-release. They were on a timer because I've actually been in India for the last couple of weeks. la di um, Work for business. And I'll tell you two things about India. I come in there from from an American perspective. Number one, um, stinky. I I have learned stinky. that in the United States, <laughs> I have never had a good cup of coffee anywhere. Really? Because the coffee is so much better. Oh my god! I feel like we've been lied to. This is bullshit. The coffee in it. I'm going to the Indian grocery store later today. I'm going to try and find some damn coffee because. We've, we've been lied to. Well, I don't know. I yeah. think it just depends where you go. Because when I did my trip years ago to Asia, uh, like in Thailand, Cambodia, Laos, like Laos is a former French colony, so they've got some really fucking good coffee and baguettes. Mm. And I was not prepared for that in the middle of nowhere. If there's something that's kind of like uh, 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 something you find in Laos, is it lousy? Uh... Yes, sure. See, I want to make the Chris jokes this week. I want the Chris. <laughs> that jokes. sounds more like a Brian joke. That's like a dad joke, right? Well, <laughs> so so the other thing I would tell you about India though is the driving. So or as far thereof. as I can surmise, <laughs> there are chaos. no traffic laws in <laughs> India chaos, whatsoever, yeah. and there's like a billion <laughs> people. I mean, it's like you think China's got a lot of people. Damn. 
there there are lanes painted on the road, but I have no idea why because no one is paying any attention to that. It is just pure chaos and crossing the street and intersections are amazing. You know, you're just you're getting in these little autos, these like, you know, motorcycle engines with two wheels in the back. They're basically, you know, motorized rickshaws. Yeah. And they're just doing u-turns in front of buses that do not stop and they just they're all beeping their horns at each other all the time because that's they're basically practicing echolocation and it's crazy yeah well i mean you've seen a james bond movie before you know what foreign cultures are like right that's your full basis isn't it uh uh, yes i mean james bond is specifically yes right uh no problem this is the company car yes no but um, but but going back to like my original is it stinky I mean that's that's sort of the the problem I've heard about India is that it it smells so, like but so you get there and there is an there's a pervasive odor that is basically a combination of curry and sewage and ah. if you've never had the curry sewage and, though you're doing yourself a disservice yeah, well, here's the thing because like, it's <laughs> after, <laughs> well, well after done. a couple days you get well you get nose blind to it <laughs> yeah right except for occasionally the sewage str- smell gets a little stronger yeah. and kind of wafts at you and then it goes away but because it's so but warm it made there. me wonder it's just like steams like, in the heat what yeah what does it smell like at home like what what am i nose blind to at home and will i smell it when i get back well i mean and my coworker described arizona smell as clean dirt <laughs> it smells like dirt yeah but well, clean the, the, dirt the difference is though like we live in a land where there's a lot of space between people and so we don't really smell those things nobody's pooing in the streets if they are it's way down the street yeah you know it's like several miles um, down the street unless you go to new york where they just boil urine in the sewers and let the steam <laughs> yeah. rise up. you thought well, india yeah, and smelled I've said bad for years yeah. that new york just stinks and and no one's willing yeah. to admit it yeah. yeah i mean you think new york's bad yeah okay so okay so so, so curry and sewage no no like burnt curry and sewage. no burning tires everybody i've ever spoken with who's no. ever done trips to india they're like at some point seeing like a like a tire fire on the side of the road kind of thing it's been uncanny. So you not, might be the first. Not where I was. Okay. okay. Well. So anyway, that was exciting. That was an adventure. Um, but I do have a movie to to call out. Did you watch it on the plane? And no, okay. no. This I actually watched on Chinese New Year right before I left. Okay. This movie was released apparently the day I saw it, and holy crap, the Wandering Earth Two is a thing in the world. What, mm. Have you heard of The Wandering Earth? No. Nope. Much less a sequel. Okay. So, The Wandering Earth is a pair... I have not seen that yet. Or is that but it T-O-O? Is a, like, did they no, throw us off? No, it's the number <laughs> yeah. two. It's like a Look Who's Talking sequel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, The Wandering Look Earth what's is wandering a Chinese... Look what's wandering also as well. <laughs> the Wandering Earth is a Chinese blockbuster. They, they're trying to... They're like, we make all these special effects for the American movies. We'd like to do one for us uh-huh. right and so it's it's based on some book or i don't know something somebody wrote and the the conceit is that they installed giant engines on the planet earth to move it because it needed to get away from the sun because reasons and none of it makes a lick of sense <laughs> and- <laughs> it makes more sense in the original chinese i'm sure well, no, no. So, The Wandering Earth Two is an attempt to explain The Wandering Earth. It's a prequel. <laughs> oh, so it's to not The Wandering. So it's Earth. not still wandering. It's just Wandering Earth. Yes, series. no. Okay. This is the story of how we came <laughs> together as a planet to build these ridiculous engines to send the Earth on its merry way and also destroy the moon. What was okay? And if I get interrupt, what was the movie that you saw that was a, this tanked, but it was like the cities on top of like. Uh, like infernal treads. engines Inf- infernal uh, machines oh the machine the mortal engine yeah yeah yeah, yeah. is it like that yeah is it like that no okay. no this is so so much bigger and and dumber and hard to follow no um <laughs> this this is a three hour long movie but it is packed 
Okay, it is like absolutely packed full of stuff. It should have been like a 10-hour series, and it's edited down to a three-hour movie. This movie was made by people on Ritalin who only watch it in the editing bay and never like pull back and watch it in a sequence because it all makes sense if you watch it at the pace of like what you would watch editing something, but it's just a lot. It is insane. There's so much stuff like Aquaman amounts of stuff on the screen at all times. Okay. so you, but but you, it really gives you an appreciation for shows like Aquaman because there's no sense of geography or flow to any of the insane action sequences in this thing. It's just, it's just nuts. And so everything. Go ahead. When you were watching it, did you think you were watching the new Fast and Furious movie? No, no, because those those have flow and action really? and okay. and okay. characters, and this this is like this everything is happening all at once, like. There's, like, text on the screen all the time trying to get you situationally aware. In fact, um, one of the things it keeps doing is it keeps saying, like, in this many hours, this thing is going to happen. Which takes all of the dramatic tension out of the movie because <laughs> they tell you what's going to happen before it happens yeah. over and over again. Is and, it? like, by the end, there are multiple countdowns going and the end is literally, we need to reconnect the internet so that we can trigger the thousands of Earth rockets while also placing every nuke we've ever made on the moon manually by people to destroy it while also working to decrypt all the nuclear codes all at once. And there's no suspense because they told you when it would all happen. Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> so, so how does this stack up to a Roland Emmerich uh, uh, universe? Oh, they need to edit this together with Moonfall and maybe don't look up, and then it will make a lot more sense. <laughs> but yeah, but how does it how does it rate compared to Hurricane Heist? I think is really what the question should be. Uh, I mean, Hurricane Heist is a lot more fun and a lot a lot more focused. Yeah. This is just a lot so, of movie. It's also Chinese propaganda. Nice, right? Well, of course. <laughs> but it sounds to me like you just watched a, a three hour movie where the ultimate climax was just somebody turning the router off and on again. Is that essentially right? <laughs> yes, yes, okay. but he's underwater. Oh, the okay. router's underwater. It's important that you understand he's underwater when he turns that the That sounds like Mission Impossible <laughs> 5. It's like we, we've got to go through the chute to turn the router back on, but it's underwater. <laughs> I'm watching the, the preview right now uh, with the sound off, and uh, yeah, this looks like my jam. It is full of disaster movie stuff, and any oh, yeah. preview... Any preview where you've got a guy taking a gun and putting it to his own temple, uh, I, I, you know that that movie's a thrill ride. Yeah, dude, I, I'd actually be interested in your reaction. To it. <laughs> yeah, they're all it's wearing like aliens costumes. Yeah, yeah, get on that, toot sweet, Eric. Brian needs to know. I am. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So anyway, yeah, the Wandering Earth Two Electric. Uh, it's a movie. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Okay. It would be what funny, actually, <laughs> if if China decided, you know what, we need to move the Earth, and they have enough land mass and enough technology and enough enough uh, 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 resources, they could do it without asking anybody's permission. Really? It's like, okay, everybody, everybody, Chinese citizens, uh, yeah. at five but, o'clock, we're all going to push really hard. Yeah. So yeah, just get, yeah. you could get on board. I mean, <laughs> and the United sure Nations the says, <laughs> and the United <laughs> Nations says, Hey, wait, you know what? We've got another idea. I don't care. You got another idea. <laughs> We're doing oh, no. it. Their other idea. Their other idea is that we put everybody's brain into AI virtual reality shit. And that we all just live in computers instead of as people. That's oh, the alternative. That- but the Chinese, yeah. You know, call for us all to marshal the human spirit and come together as one people and and shove the earth out of its orbit as if that's going to make things better. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Uh, uh, well, I'm glad you liked it. Question mark? Yeah. So so <laughs> top that. Uh I probably could, but I'm kinda curious as to what Eric's got. Yeah, um, I don't have much. I've got uh the the stand up comedy of Neil Hamburger. I've been cracking out on Neil Hamburger. If you have not had the pleasure of listening to Neil Hamburger, go go find some. He's mm. he's sort of a meta stand up comic whose whole thing is being very bad at stand up comedy. He yeah, like does jokes that aren't terribly funny. 
that that fall flat. His timing is horrible, and it's so goddamn funny. I I can't I, I I can't exactly tell you why, but he's a hack comic who pushes being a hack comic. The first time I heard him, I thought, oh Christ, this poor guy. You know, I was like, I didn't know <laughs> it was the point. It was I was just like listening to it, and then like a minute into it, I'm like, God, I wish they'd stop playing this. And the three minutes into it, I'm laughing my head off because it is just one long joke that goes nowhere. Right. Um, so it's, is it like that Andy Kaufman bit from like Saturday Night Live or whenever he, where he turns it into like a, a song or <laughs> does, it is it, very, does he tie it up? It is very Kaufman-like, but he never, you know, he never ties it up. One, one bit I caught, he apparently opened for Tenacious D uh, on their tour and the audience kept booing at him and he kept saying, all right, one more joke. And, and if you manage to not say anything, you know, if you manage to not yell at me, then the great tenacious D will come out. And so he tells the joke and nobody says, you know, like yeah. yells at him. He tells the joke. Everybody laughs and he goes, oh, that went so well. I'm going to tell another one. Yeah. And then they all start booing at him. He's trying to get people to dislike yeah, him. And it it's is so funny. It's very theatrical. It's almost like, do you ever remember, uh, Andy Kindler? You ever seen any of his stuff? Uh, uh, oh yeah, like yeah. like especially from like early late eighties, early nineties, like that was his shtick as well. He would just go up and be the most uh, aggressively, obnoxiously bad <laughs> stand-up comic just to taunt people, and it's just I love that sort of <laughs> act because it's just so people aren't prepared for that when they go in, and then when they become part of the joke and they they're in on it, then it becomes so much funnier because then it's like this satire of a spoof of. <laughs> yeah. of a, like something else i mean it's just so weird uh good lord yeah it's 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 yeah it's actually very punk rock the <laughs> the the meta-ness of this stand-up i highly recommend it yeah yeah okay a bomb for the soul thanks eric yeah all right for the uh so the, what do you got the, Chris? the kind thoughts bring us home uh so <laughs> There's not been a lot of stuff really uh, grabbing my attention lately, so I decided to go back into the old Disney Plus and check out a 70s live-action movie that uh, I have yet to have seen. Just to round out my, my bucket list of watching all of the shitty Disney <laughs> 70s live-action movies. <laughs> so for uh, this week's fun, I, uh, I selected one called Snowball Express, based solely on the title, because I figured... That sounds vaguely pornographic, does it not? Uh, <laughs> but it's sure. <laughs> Everything kind of sounds vaguely pornographic. Yeah, but this one's called Snowball Express. Uh, sounds vaguely like a drug run movie. Yeah, right? I'm like, I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> Cocaine runners. But this is a uh, this is another classic with Dean Jones, uh, and Harry Morgan shows up, and Keenan Wynn. So all of the the standard 70s uh, troupe of Disney actors. The guys who are trapped at Disney with contracts, <laughs> yeah. yes. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and it's directed by Norman Tokar, who did a crap ton of these things in the 70s. Uh, his most notorious one was his final for Disney, The Cat from Outer Space, uh, but he also did Apple Dumpling Gang and The Boatniks, which uh, is also fun. But this is like... A great Apple but, Dumpling Gang. Yeah. Uh... But this is basically... But the Snowball Express. It just starts in, like, it just, boom, takes you into the office of Dean Jones, who's late. It's an accounting firm. He's apparently bad at his job, uh, unhappy. He finds out immediately uh, upon getting there that his great long-lost uncle has died and left him uh, a a luxury hotel resort ever in Colorado. So... Without even looking into it, he just decides he's going to quit his job, <laughs> take his family to Colorado, and run this hotel. Well, as sure. you might imagine, shenanigans ensue because they get there and it's totally ramshackle, run down. Uh, the local developer, played by Keenan Wynn, is trying to take it over because of reasons. Uh, and then it becomes sort of like a, I don't know, just just a like a a summer rental type movie. Where it's just the guy just runs from like putting out one fire after the next to try to keep this hotel afloat. <laughs> uh, sure, it's like the money pit, yeah, but at a ski resort. Yeah, 
And then the his okay. his son is played by the kid that played Jody in Family Affair. So he just looked it's just a weird looking kid. He never looked right to me. Uh okay. Pop quiz audience. Does anybody anybody <laughs> listening to this podcast have a mental image of the kid who played Jody in Family Affair? Look him up. If so, Hit us up. Look, I want yeah. to hear about that because no, you don't. Look him up. No, you, I, none of you no. do. Look him I, up. I see a little like five-year-old blonde-haired kid sitting next to a, a, a similarly blonde girl with pigtails who killed herself. Yeah, that's basically it. But the kid's name is Johnny Whitaker. Just look him up. He looks very uh, like Lord of the Ringsy almost. <laughs> He's just weird. Uh, and- Mr. French, what do I look like? Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, I know these things. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, long story short, not to ruin this movie for you, but uh, he he ends up being in arrears because of all the shenanigans, uh, and then he can save it by doing a snowmobile race. And oh yeah, please tell me it's because they have to hold a concert or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> no, so okay. so like no, yeah. Well. So the last like fifteen or twenty minutes is just this ramshackle snowmobile race. Uh, so this is one crazy summer, basically. basically yeah, yeah. Uh, or, or just you know the skiing bits from uh, Better Off Dead. It's the whole the same vibe. At like one point, Dean Jones winds up uh, being a he's a terrible skier, so he winds up like going downhill backwards a lot and screaming like whoa, whoa! It's like that kind of shit. It's just so terrible. It's all blue. It's, yeah, it's all like obviously just like oh, we'll just superimpose him over the fucking uh, backdrop film that we've got going here. I mean, it's just like the, the production value is just terrible, <laughs> but it's just so delightful to watch that kind of crap. Cause it's just like, wow. Wow. Disney. Wow. I mean, it's just, that's all you can say when you watch them. Uh, so it was, it was definitely a treat. I think my wife lasted about 10 minutes. Like I just put it on and she's like, I'm, I'm out. I'm going to go read. Just good luck. <laughs> so, so that's how I know I've got a good one on my hands. It's a winner if I can get her to leave in like under 15 minutes. <laughs> that's Welcome to middle age. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so there's. If you can clear a room, you're happy. Yeah. So, so there's that. And then uh, also just been catching up on season two on Amazon of The Legend of Vox Machina, which is like their fantasy D&D show cartoon. I can't remember the the name of the, the troupe that puts it on. Cri- Critical Role or something. Uh, but they do like radio plays oh. or something. God, I feel like I should know what this is. I feel like yeah. I've heard of it, but I don't. Well, I've not paid any I, attention. I brought up last year the, the first season because it's literally the, like the best D&D adventure you'll never take. Uh, it's got that vibe and this one picks up right after the person lives off and it's just and it just reminds me of you Brian because the whole thing is predicated on like this uh, gang of dragons just shows up out of nowhere and destroys everything and then is basically taking over this fantasy realm and they have to kill the dragons but in order to that they have to go quest for these what they call vestiges which are just like the the weapons to kill them but all, every episode I'm watching I'm just yeah. going a real dragon wouldn't do that <laughs> So it's, <laughs> is this? Are they playing this straight? Are they like sincere about this? Uh, I mean, it's it's got mostly straight elements, but it, there's some comedy to it. They're they're very winky winky about the whole thing, but it's basically just the the ragtag group of adventurers who uh, band together to tackle the quest and kill the baddie kind of thing, save the day. Uh, so it's fun. It's way more fun than I ever anticipated that it would be which is the only reason I'm watching it. So I, I bring it up now just in case you want something that's uh, better than, oh, I don't know, whatever whatever fantasy shitball show came out recently. Any of the Game of Thrones stuff, probably. <laughs> this is better than uh, <laughs> would be my guess, but whatever. <laughs> so that gives you the uh, the baseline for where I'm at entertainment-wise lately. Is like so, sh- so basically shitty. these guys wrote a D and D campaign, but then they made a show about right, it. Right, basically. Okay, and it's it's oh, ac- it's actually fun, uh, believe it or not. So, the legend of Vox Machina. Huh. Huzzah, huzzah, huzzah! Huzzah! <laughs> so yeah, that's that's how uh, Star for Entertainment I am lately. 
is uh, my two offerings. <laughs> so take that as you will. I really feel like I, I just need to join a fight club. You know what I'm saying? I'm ripe for the picking. Indeed. Well, then let's do that. Okay. Fight Club. Has everybody seen Fight Club? Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I saw it opening weekend, dude. I was there. Uh, yeah. You know. I, and I am not so cool as to say, oh, I knew the whole time that, you know, yeah, spoilers. You know, it, this is this is, this is is a spoiler on par with uh, Rosebud was his sled. Uh, <laughs> right. That, yeah, that, that uh, um, Tyler Durden is an imaginary figure in the narrator's head. Yeah. Uh, huh. But yeah. I mean, so, I, I am Jack's whatever, whatever personality disorder or whatever. You I know. mean, right. I mean, it's David Fincher based fucking with his audience. Cause when you, once yeah. you've seen it and you know the, the twist and you watch it again, you can see all the ways that they've telegraphed everything that's going to happen at the end. <laughs> the movie mm-hmm. and then you're like oh i'm such a doofus i didn't even oh yeah. you know so it's it's fun and, and in case you haven't seen it 1999 film david fincher it's basically you know him having the freedom to make what he wants and so he shoots the chuck palotnik how do you say his last name palutech neck palinick palinick novel fight club about a 30 something yuppie guy who is just you know cannot sleep and his his real problem is that he's you know living in the nightmare of consumerist 20th century american culture and develops an imaginary friend who helps him uh uh basically live some anarchy and get outside of this nonsense life the and the film actually has an ending different from the book which mr paloshnokai <laughs> palanuk 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 has said is a better ending than his book. He was like, oh shit, I wish I'd have thought of that. Yeah. Which is very rare. You know, you're not going to hear Stephen King saying that shit. Yeah. Well, and it's, um, and it's a fair assessment. This is as much as you want yeah. to. And we've said it before. Like, this is one of the few instances where the movie is actually better than the book. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I remember this, this film in the context of being like, you know, a late 20 something terrified of what was about to happen, you know, getting mm-hmm. older because the world looked like, you know, absolute nonsense horseshit. I think this is a movie for anybody before they reach the age of 30. You know, everyone should watch this and go, yup, it's about to get that bad. Yeah. Well, the, th- oh, that's, that's, that's the beautiful thing, right? It's like Edward Norton as the narrator is such a perfect vessel for the audience, right? It's, I mean, it's marketed, you know, it's 1999, so yeah, we're all like 28, 29 years old when this thing comes out, and it's marketed right at us, and it's basically, hey, life is meaningless. Everything you do is is just consumerist behavior. You are not defined by anything necessarily other than the brands that you consume, and and, and this is, this is, consumerism trying to fill the void in your life with merchandise as a substitute for identity or community right and and nothing is important everything is fake and jobs are unfulfilling and 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 yeah i mean that hits you right in the spot and this is how the movie pulls you in and then punches yeah. you in the face eventually <laughs> well i i like One of the big miss oh go ahead i was saying the the thing that i like about it and the reason that i i still enjoy the movie is because they got so much right about where we wound up now as far as like in <laughs> incels and that sort of toxic masculinity bullshit that has just grown and grown and grown in the last 20 some odd years i mean it just nails it but it's also taking the piss on it in an extreme way but they make brad pitt's character tyler durden so charismatic that i think all the people that are now incels and storming the capitol and doing all this bullshit Mm -hmm. they miss the point completely and they're just dumb because it's like this is exactly what i was yeah about to go to is that i remember the uh siskel ebert review and uh roger ebert saying that you know it was gross this sort of pro-fascist movie <laughs> with all these guys with shaved heads and it's like no 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 yeah, no no it's no, not no. That at all. that's it's not pro them you 
you, you got it all wrong. Yeah. And yeah, I think a lot of a lot of these dipshits have looked at this movie as uh, a guide. Yeah. Instead of a warning. Yeah, because it's all about how to and, how to build your your little private militia, take on the man. Yeah. I'm a victim. Boo hoo hoo. I mean, it's just yeah, it's just in, insane that people took that away yeah. from it to me. <laughs> so, yeah. There. Well, but that's okay. So, but that's why it still works. Right, like if the movie had been more explicit, if if it had hit the message that hard enough that that it was that people weren't confused, right? It, I don't think it would have had the resonance. The thing is that you have this just utter nihilism in the form of Tyler Durden, just you know, anarchy and fuck it, and nothing matters, and. There's no plan other than to destroy the existing plan, but there's no replacement plan, right? right? It's just let's just fuck shit up. And and it works, I think, because people can misunderstand it. It works because you can interpret it both well, ways and get something out of it. Like it resonates. The the thing is that they assume the intelligence of the audience. <clears throat> but yes. One of the fan theories, Tyler Durden is not about anarchy, okay? Here, here's here's the thing. Uh, they decide that their ends can be attained only by the forcible overthrow of all existing social conditions. Let the ruling classes tremble at a communist revolution. The proletariat have nothing to lose but their chain. That's Karl Marx, and that's exactly what Durden is, you know, professing. We'll destroy the world, and in its place, we'll have, you know, some kind of unity among men. Right. It's actually a pro-Marxist statement, which is funny because they think everyone, you know, accuses mm. it of fascism, but it's actually the other way around. And it's still, it's just as stupid. Yeah. But it's, you know. Well, that's what I think is is so funny about the way that it's structured because it's Edward Norton who becomes an insomniac and he's just looking for a release. So he goes to those support groups and fakes being a, someone who's afflicted with whatever so that he could, you know, cry, get it out. It's sort of like his primal scream therapy and then he can get some sleep. And then when Marla shows up, uh, the, the woman character and she's doing the same thing, but, but just because she's entirely bored, uh, and that ruins it for him. And then he has the psychotic break and then becomes the split personality, him and Tyler Durden. And Tyler is basically his raging id. Who's just, doing all of this anarchy nonsense. And then by the end of the picture, he realizes what's going on. He wakes up and is like, oh shit, that is not me. That is not me at all. And he basically destroys the id. But by that time, it's too late. Everything is put in motion. But at that point, he's come to accept his, uh, you know, his fallacies. And he just says, yeah, I'm an imperfect human being, but I'm willing to grow and move and let's do this. And it's like that point gets totally lost by the end by all the people going, yeah, anarchy, yeah. fuck yeah, fuck yeah. And it's just like, you're, I, it's so, astonishing. I, I okay, think wait. the thing that, the, the bit that I always fought, thought got left out of that is that him going to all these things and saying, you know, I, I have cancer, I have, you know, melanoma, all this shit. It's really the same as when you're a kid in high school going, you know, oh yeah, my parents are shitty too. It's yeah. like everybody's competing to have a worse sob story <laughs> and so that they can get some kind of street cred. It's the exact same thing. Right. See, I, I took that as, as he was looking for a sense of, of belonging, of someone to connect with, but all of his connections were based on bullshit. Right. So that was never going to be fulfilling. Yeah. And at the end... He he rejects anarchy and the freedom it promises, and and he chooses instead to be part of at least a I mean a toxic, but nevertheless a relationship with an actual other human that requires like attention yeah. and compassion and compromise. Well, I like the beginning too right? when he's doing the they're doing the guided meditation. Go to your your cave and find your power animal, and at first it's just this random penguin, but then it becomes Marla. And and then at the end, Marla literally is his power animal because she's the, one of the reasons that he pulls back from the Tyler Durden stuff. And it's like when I watch it now, I'm like, they've just telegraphed everything to you, but you got to go through the whole journey to get there. I'm like, it's just astonishing yeah. that they peppered in like that, and you're just totally oblivious the first watch. It's just so good the way they. Which do is it. another another fan theory. 
does Marla really exist? I would mm. I would say yes. I mean, there are some hints that she does, obviously, right. but it's possible that she's another, yeah, she's just a sort of competing uh, imaginary person. For, you, you know, like, like the angel and the devil on his shoulder. Okay. Interesting. There are, there are certainly arguments that like, you know, like some things happen where it's like, no, 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 has to, she has to really be there because the waiter says, may I suggest the lady not have the, the clam chowder. Right. But there are also other things where you could say, you know what, Tyler Durden's really there. You know, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's a little messy, but, but if you think of it, even whether she's there or not, yeah, she is the other uh, uh, spirit on his shoulder, right? You know, guiding him. They're just, just, just Tyler and Marla are pulling in two different directions. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I almost think agree. If they, if they adapted this movie today, I don't think he'd go to these self help things. I think he'd just be joining various like internet forums or chans oh, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Totally. Right. Like it's the same. It's the same dynamic. Well, it's I'm looking for a tribe. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's uh, to me, it's just it's the perfect movie to end the 20th century with. I mean, I know it wasn't the last movie to come out in 1999. It came out like October or something. But to me, it's just the perfect uh, capper to the 20th century. It just nails everything <laughs> about the ennui that we were all feeling. But at the same time, uh, matched in almost equal ferocity by the just the anxiety from like Y2K and all of that shit. It was it's like you totally get why he gets a split personality because it's like it's the the two competing portions of that. It's like I want to be happy, uh I want to rage against the machine. How does that mix? And then you get this you get Gen this. X turns 30 the movie. <laughs> yeah, basically. <Yeah. laughs> well, it's it's I mean, yeah, it's basically you get everything you wanted. And you're still empty. Yeah. I mean, I think that's mm-hmm. pretty universal. That's why I think this movie has got to still work unless you're, you know, really into consumerism. Yeah. Unless you really love having stuff. Yeah. Then this is going to ring true. So. Oh, yeah. I, I would buy that. But another great couple of theories on this film, if I may. Uh, mm-hmm. This is a Joker origin story. <laughs> that's that's a that stretch. after that's a stretch. the after the buildings fall he's like yeah this is the way to go and then he, he yeah and then he goes and becomes the clown prince of crime mm-hmm. that's a stretch. i like that one that's a stretch. i think it's funny okay that's this this is a movie that the people who who made the joker wanted wanted to uh <laughs> they were inspired <laughs> yeah, by yeah. Right. Sure. I don't buy that one, but okay. Good on you. Okay. That sounds like a guy in his okay. like living at living at home in his parents' basement, and he just never got over right. how angry he is about that. Yeah, I want to be the joke. Okay, we kick that one out then, and instead, the other crazy theory: this is Ferris Bueller too, where uh, Cameron <laughs> grows up and has a new uh, Ferris Bueller. Yeah. I, I I would agree more with that. I yeah, like yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. And Marl is the new Sloan. Yeah. And they have their grand yeah. day out. Yeah. <laughs> I buy that. Uh, I would I would take that one. I, uh, I yeah, I, I read that one. I was like, given all of the theories around um Ferris Bueller's day off, I'm like, I, I kinda buy that. Yeah. Uh, but it's 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 certainly funnier. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean thematically <laughs> just yeah, we've we're 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 treading the the basics there but it's it's definitely uh, a warning to that cultish tort type of like uh woe is me in cell type behavior it's like the reason that you're mm-hmm. alone is not because you're an incel it's because you're just ostensibly a jackass that nobody likes and that's why you're alone it's like until you figure that part out you're going to continue to be alone and angry but then they all sort of find each I, other and, and commune and then develop these like uh, weird cults. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's what I like about Fight Club is ultimately <clears throat> he comes to the conclusion that this is his fault. Yeah. That it wasn't done to him. He is, you know, the, the, the reason for his problems. And incels are like, no, no, it's because b- bitches won't go out with me and give me sex. Yeah. And I can't have, you know, it's Fuck you. Well, I mean, just shut so, the fuck up. Well, this one was made before we, we really understood the incel culture 
this is sort of like the the genesis of it all. So it probably is not going to be a straight correlation. But like when you get to the point when I mean we were we were already like pretty much on top of the insane clown posse, right? Yeah. Like we were there. Yeah. But I mean it <laughs> but, but it it's, I mean, it sort of flows out to me it's more of like a Jim Jones type situation. It's like when Meatloaf uh Bob Paulson dies and Edward Norton is trying to explain to him like no, he's got a name, he's a real person trying to show him the gravity of this. It's like you people this is there's real stakes now. Yeah. And then they all start like messiahing him. Like, oh, his name was Robert Paulson. <laughs> and it's like, again, it's like you missed, death, you missed it. We have a name. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, you've missed this point entirely yet again. It's so, yeah, so funny that that's the way they set it up. Anyway, continue, Brad. Sorry. So, so this, here's the thing that I struggle with, with a thing like Fight Club, right? Because, and, and Eric, I, props, props to you, man, because like, if you if you listen to the show or if you've known Eric as long as I have, which is like way too long, um, yeah. you know, all of the things that the alt right uses to red pill young men, right? Like you're kind of into that stuff, but you didn't get red pilled. You know what I'm saying? And <laughs> it's because and it's because Eric. This is one of those things. Eric is ultimately and, just too and, punk rock for it. That's why. I I raised two two boys into manhood and and i spent a lot of time worrying about them getting red pilled because it's real seductive it's like yeah man other people are keeping you down and you have this i mean it just it just plays straight into that like young dumb and full of cum kind of thing where you just got all this testosterone and all this frustration and no real ability to like control your life and and it's like yeah but that's because everybody's fucking you over man and go get yours is 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 the message and and some guys just never grow out of that shit yeah. which is I don't know. which is yeah. why it's interesting when I, they when they get to the part in the movie when uh the the mobby guy shows up Lou uh to find out what the hell's going on in his basement and then Tyler just lets him beat the living shit out of him and as as like a weird reverse psychology to let him use the basement and everybody's just standing there watching Tyler take the beating uh, and he's like thank you Lou thanks Lou and then at that point he's like alright here's your assignment you're gonna go pick a fight with a total stranger and you're gonna lose and the whole point I think to me is like well it's to teach you some humility it's like you can get, you can still get your ass kicked and again these guys go out and they just yeah. take the totally wrong lesson from it like the one guy's like picking a fight with a priest <laughs> it's just like come on man come on it's so silly i think yeah i i think that's kind of ultimately the point is that there's yeah there's lots of you know bad shit in the world but you make choices you know it's it's you are the one who decides whether or not you're going to go along with yeah said thing i i don't think there are any sort of dark powers ruling the universe that are forcing you into a corner you didn't want to go into yeah you know yeah uh. that's just me well you know <laughs> hey boo boo i know what you're talking about hey boo boo <laughs> uh yeah but but it's the it is easier to just not take responsibility for your shit yeah. right it's easier yeah, totally. to yeah. just to just be like yeah they're the problem yeah yeah. It's kind of the problem with with raising your kid with too much self esteem is, is that you know and like I know lots of people like to make that thing about oh everybody gets a trophy you know all that yeah uh, no what I'm getting at is if you really believe that your shit doesn't stink nothing's ever your fault yeah and so you never look you know for the reasons mm-hmm. why bad things are happening right to you. you know like you know the reason. You know, women are not going out on dates. The reason you're a 30 year old virgin, maybe it's because you're an asshole. Maybe you're an asshole. Yeah. Do something about that. Well, there's no conspiracy. And that's why I think so much of this gets lost on those types of people that like, like with the Republican Party today, let's just, I'll just put it out there. It's like they, they approach everything from the woe is me, we're the victims tact, uh, Mm-hmm. rightfully or not which let's let's face it not but it's just basically oh you're going to disagree with me it's like well now i'm the victim it's like no that's not how this fucking works but when fight club came out that was sort the of actual yeah no i just think the actual politicians though i think they are the ones who cynically know right that you know all of this stuff they are they are smarter than that 
They just know that that's how they can loop people into their shit. Yeah. Well, you not know? some because, of the newer ones, yeah. but okay. Well, let's well, yeah, because they're 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 gen they're you know gen two point yeah. They're the ones who were probably brought up on this nonsense yeah. on you know Alex Jones. Yeah. But the 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 idea is basically yeah play victim and you know yeah woe is me use it. But uh, yeah. but when when Fight Club came out, I mean, it was like we were at this weird apex of like dude culture because we had like maxim magazine was a thing fhm uh they had uh the nascent stuff on the internet and then you had stuff like the man mm-hmm. show on cable and so it was like this weird i don't know like like it, not us per se but a lot of men were out there just going oh how do i assert my manliness you know and it was sort of the the advent of the oh, the yeah. bro culture that would grow in the early aughts uh, and so it's like, it really tapped into that sort of zeitgeist, which I think is why it turns off certain people like you, like fight club just becomes shorthand for like, Oh, it's just a bro culture movie, man. It's like, fuck no. And it's like, no, it, if you actually watch it, then you will find out that it is totally not that movie. It's about, it's a, it's a warning yeah. shot basically for what's coming. Yeah. If we don't all wake up and go, Shit. yeah, but, but. But again, it's assumed that the audience is smart enough to get that, right? Like, but unfortunately, we're actually a, a group of men who who get pissed off because, like, hey, man, why is Rage Against the Machine getting all political now, right? Like, that's a thing people actually say because they're that unaware. Yeah, wow. <laughs> it's so dumb. You, now? Yeah. 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 You, the yeah. thing is, the same year this came out, uh, Magnolia came out with Tom Cruise playing the the dating guru of how to get chicks to, you know, give, you know, let you fuck them and, and not have to give them anything emotionally back. Like that wasn't made up out of thin air. That would, there were people writing books like that. There were, that that was like a thing. Yeah. And, Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, but but yeah, everybody was selling that nonsense. Yeah. So, well, it's not like there wasn't a bunch of patriarchy and misogyny going all the way back, right? right. Like, I mean, this is just the the Gen X iteration of all of that, yeah. you know. <laughs> I mean, but I mean, yeah. it's so it's 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 an interesting package. But I think for me, it's still Fincher's best movie, uh, because it's the whole package. Yeah, I could go there. Because it's the whole package. I mean, you've got the thematics and whatnot, but it's also got a great cast doing great performances. But then technically, the thing is just, to me, is a marvel. Because it's just, he, he slowly peppers in Tyler Durden until Tyler Durden becomes manifest. It is just so astonishing to me the way he just teases that through. And you don't really notice it as it comes along with the little blips. But then it's like he's forcing his way in, and then suddenly he's there, and he's larger than life, and it's like you can't help but just not go along for the ride. It's just so astonishing yeah. the way that they, they do it so smoothly. They make it look so easy, but it's not. I mean, that's a very intricate setup, and it just I love it so much when I watch it because I'm like, wow, you know? And then you've got the whole thing where he's splicing in dicks into Cinderella, one of his many, many side gigs. And then you can you start to yeah. see it's like wow. So basically, the character knows how to edit himself into things, and that's how this is happening. It's just so like twisty, turny, meta. It's really well written. Every line is is interesting. Uh, uh, it's shot in that crappy kind of way that David Fincher likes to do things like Seven, but at least it makes sense. Yeah, here, yeah. Because even the pretty stuff looks shitty. It's right. <laughs> And you've got uh, Edward Norton and Brad Pitt saying your lines, and you know they're both fucking phenomenal. Especially when Brad Pitt is not playing a straight character; when he's playing, when he's when he's a character actor, he's at his best. Oh yeah, like this when he's playing somebody weird. Yeah, uh, this is definitely if there. This yeah, is like a, a top three role for me with Brad Pitt, honestly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and and okay, this okay, I I can't pick a favorite. Maybe this, but this, uh, twelve monkeys, yeah. and uh, the stoner guy from um, uh, the the Tarantino. Oh, movie. true romance. True romance. No, I would say uh, mm. Mickey from Snatch. That's my favorite because he's just so out there. Uh, 
So that'd be my top, and then 12 Monkeys, and then this. Tyler Gurdon would be, like, the third one. Yeah. Because uh, he's just let loose. It's like, go chew your scenery. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, the dialogue is really the other part that gets me. Because it's just, it's almost too much, but they just, they they take it to the edge and just teeter it, but don't make it too coying. Uh, but the meetup when they're in the plane is some of the, it's, it's almost like a, like a screwball rom-com to a degree yeah. as they're getting to know each other on the meet cute. And it's just, you know, he's talking about single serve friends that, <laughs> and he started explaining, you know what? That's another, that's another fan theory that I, I think it sounds less plausible than the, the Joker origin story, but, uh, is that Tyler Durden isn't imaginary. He is real. Uh, he's just using the narrator because he, 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 in the course of that conversation, he realizes how fucked up this narrator guy is and decides to use him yeah. and ultimately make him think that he's imagining. <laughs> uh, that's a bit of a stretch, <laughs> a bit of a stretch, but yeah, but, uh, but that's, that was one of my favorite lines in the whole movie was that whole thing though, where he's explaining it to him. He's like, <laughs> he's like, I'm just being around. How's that working out for you? Being ironic. <laughs> It's like, whoa, <laughs> just take the so, piss right out of that one. <laughs> how does it work in, uh, as a book? Like, how do they introduce Tyler and then explain the twist in the book? Or is it different? Like, how is that done? I'll let Eric take it because I've kind I've of already there. Yeah. yeah, as I remember the book, he's just kind of already there. Like, the narrator is just talking about his life and, you know, and this, this guy, Tyler, and, oh, yeah, I met him, blah, blah, blah. It's not, it's not as linear, but okay. the, the only thing I really remember, the only big difference I remember is that in the end, uh, he is put away into a mental institution and, uh, he keeps seeing like Tyler coming in as one of the orderlies. He like, he knows as soon as they let him out of this hospital, Tyler Durden is going to like be back on top of him. It's more like a horror story yeah. in that way. Which is, you know, mm. to, but there isn't family. a clean conclusion. And I remember <laughs> thinking, what the fuck? You ended it like that? <laughs> Which is why the movie's got the better ending. I mean, but you know, yeah. if you're going to end your movie with uh, Where Is My Mind by the Pixies, I mean, that's that thing is now iconic at this stage. Like the building's blowing yeah. up and collapsing to the Pixies. And it's just, it's such a sublime ending for me. Uh, like you couldn't do that now because of 9 11 and whatnot like people would freak out too much i think so this yeah so this which made it even better after 9-11 yeah if you ask me uh because <laughs> they fucked people up <laughs> so it's so it's it's just it's a crazy crazy ending uh but just so perfect uh so i leave i leave the movie not depressed really i leave it more like okay so you're definitely in charge of your own destiny if you can just own up to your mistakes then you're probably going to be okay it won't be great, but it'll be okay. Yeah. And that's sort of what I take away from it. So it's it's definitely not, ooh, everybody hates me. I'm blah, blah. And, you know, that Mr. Robot show totally ripped off Fight Club in just about every conceivable way. But the one thing they did that was interesting is they showed what would happen if you did uh, erase all of the debt. <laughs> and mm, how it's not necessarily a good thing. But mm -hmm. yeah. For that, for that reason, it's worth watching, Mister Robot. I Project Mate. Uh, it's one of those things on my list, Mister Robot. And then, yeah, I guess for me, the message—and I don't even know if this comes from Fight Club—but for me, the message in general about maturity is, it's not all about you. Okay, like the thing yes. that makes people assholes is just this inability to see past their own nose. Right. And it's once you get over yourself and realize that everybody else is in the same stupid ass situation and like maybe try not to be such a dick and give a crap about other people around you and and don't you know make it worse for them that's is that that's real like adulthood no, that's real masculinity yeah. for me like having uh, the can, courage to not make it all about you i think you can blame a lot of that also on you know western entertainment where the main character has to do something has to affect something has, is is like the driving reason behind things like in reality no that's not you don't need to go like do stuff to stuff right you don't need to you know it, yeah it, pull back a little and see yourself in the larger picture exactly 
Well, I mean, it's just, yeah. I like the fact that it, it, it peppers in the relationship with Marla, but once you understand the dynamic that Tyler has made up, the staging of those scenes where yeah. Norton is interacting with her is really, it's almost like, uh, like Birdman, I think took a big, big page from fight club for that setup. Uh, but it's like they're having conversation and it's, it, it works as a conversation. But then when you recontextualize it as like, she thinks that he's Tyler, but he doesn't realize he's Tyler and it still works as the same conversation. I'm like, that always amazes yeah. me. That's, that is some ballsy writing and it works because that could have fallen so flat, but it does not. And I'm just astonished every time. But then yeah. you get to the scene where Marla shows up and he's drunk and he's angry. He's like, Tyler is not here. Tyler gone. And that's when you go, oh shit, this is the, the come to Jesus moment where she realizes he's lost his fucking mind. <laughs> it's so amazing. Yeah. And she says, she says, you know, like when he says, Tyler's not here, Tyler went away, Tyler's gone. And she says, what? And and the way she says what, the first time you watch it, it sounds like, you know, what, Tyler went away? I, I, I need Tyler. Where's Tyler? Yeah. The second time you watch it, you realize she's going, what the fuck is the matter with you? You're Tyler, you crazy fucker. <laughs> yeah, it's so fun. The the movie, if watched, watch Fight Club if you haven't seen it, and once you've watched it, if you like it, watch it again, because that yeah. second viewing is just There's, every bit as good as the first yeah. one. Well, it's also enhanced by the soundtrack, too, like the Dust Brothers. Uh, this is one of the, the great like scores of 1999, but also just in general. Because uh, it's just yep. it's just disjointed. It's weird. It 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 moves from beat to beat. It understands its property. Yeah, yeah, it is so good. And then you get to the the song that they did for the end credits, which is the uh, "This Is Your Life," where they basically just pepper in all the quotes from Brad Pitt. <laughs> and it's almost like a like a how to indoctrinate song. But it's just fun to listen this to when you get all of the This, this is your life and time. it's ending one minute at a time. This isn't a seminar. This isn't a weekend retreat. Where you are now, you can't even imagine what the bottom will be like. Only after disaster can we be resurrected. It's only after you've lost everything that you're free to do anything. Nothing is static. Everything is evolving. Everything is falling apart. This is your life. This is your life. This is your life. That's so true. Uh, But I watch this, and then I think about all the other movies that are similar that it draws from, but also influences. So, like, there's a lot of, uh, like, persona. Ingmar Bergman's persona kind of peppers in here in a weird way. And if you've never seen Persona, that's, like, the most inscrutable movie I've ever seen in my entire life. It is just so if crazy. I remember that's an actress who can't talk anymore and her nurse who's taking care of right. her. And they go to they yeah, go to like a seashore cabin and the nurse just yap, 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 and it becomes a confessional for her. Right. Uh and then by the end of the movie it's it's not explicit, but it's like it could be that it's the actress has a split personality and is just basically communing with herself in the middle of nowhere. Right. That's just so fucked up. Uh, so, and then Harvey is another one that I think of when I think of Fight Club. Jimmy Stewart and his invisible fucking six foot rabbit. <laughs> it's just so weird. When you like when you start pulling these in to Fight Club, it makes it so much more fun to watch because you're like, there. Oh, this is this is now a tradition. That they're fucking with, and it's so good. <laughs> Harvey was the first film where I realized, you know what, grownups might actually be fucked up. Yeah, right. Because that wasn't <laughs> that wasn't supposed to be a kids movie, and yet, yeah, that's that's Jimmy Stewart, like who Harvey. all grownups seem to like, yeah. and he's out of his fucking mind. Yeah. Harvey. So that's always fun. Or is he? Yeah. Yeah. Uh. So yeah, that that'd be your triple feature right there: Harvey, Persona, and Fight Club. You're welcome. <laughs> and then follow with the sixth sense. Yeah. yeah so yeah. anyway, uh, this is your podcast and it's ending one, one minute yeah. at a time. Oh shit. We broke the, we talked about <laughs> we, Fight Club. Damn it. We weren't supposed to talk we, about we Fight did. Club. We did. We talked about Fight if Club. If this is your first time at Fight uh, Club, hey, you, what, what you else have to should, fight. This is, 
It's a movie about breaking the rules, so I do think talking about Fight Club is perfectly. <laughs> yeah, those rules are just obnoxious. You don't want me to talk about Fight Club? Yeah. How we go? Yeah, I'll talk about Fight Club. Fuck you. No, what I what what's about what what what's yeah yeah what's bothersome is when somebody starts going you know laying out the Fight Club rules and the first two are the only ones they can remember. <laughs> yeah, like, right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you saw the movie. Fine. <laughs> well, but, but but repeating that rule was very effective. That's the only rule you remember. Yeah. Hey. Uh, anyway, yeah, I was trying to end the show, so whatever. We're going to end the show now. With your feet in the air and on the ground. We subscribe to the podcast, uh, share it on social media feeds, and uh, go to our website, maghuge.com, M-A-G-H-U-G-E.com, and you can find links to hit us up on Twitter and facebook and instagram and email us at magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com and yeah um come back next week for another show you doingus